Mighty Merp is available on iTunes, Spotify, and all your favorite apps and players. But the best way to experience the show is to visit MightyMerp.com. That's MightyMerp.com. Welcome to the Mighty Merp Podcast. I'm here today uh, with Judy Simpson and Brad Zabelski, and we are going to discuss CASA, which are court-appointed special advocates. Um, And uh, I'm going to jump right in. Uh, Judy, um, could you kind of tell us about CASA and uh, what it is and, and how uh, CASA is involved in the court system because I always, I'm very aware of CASA because I'm involved in the court system and I work also with kids that are in the foster care system. But I do think that CASA is one of those organizations that fly under the radar that people might hear, but they're not quite sure what CASA does. Absolutely. So anytime that a child is removed from his or her home due to abuse or neglect, we hope that we can appoint them a CASA. And that individual is trained and Brad can talk more in depth about that training that the individuals go through, but they're trained. And as you mentioned, they're court appointed and they stay with the child the entire time through their case until they're placed back in a safe and permanent home. And I think the most important thing is that CASA has connections with everybody that's involved in the child's life, whether it's their biological parents, their teachers, their doctors, and that individual goes into the courtroom and advocates. They're the voice for that child. (laughs) My role with CASA is to really spread awareness to the communities that we serve, which are Atlantic, Cape May, and Camden counties. And one of the ways that we raise awareness of CASA is by doing a snapshot. And that's a very quick 30-minute presentation that we either do via Zoom or in person at an individual's home. During that presentation, you would hear from myself as well as our executive director, Lauren Crenshaw, give a little bit of background information. And then we always have a CASA, so an advocate there during the presentation to talk about a case that they've worked on. There's also a foster parent discussion. One of the children that we serve within the community also speaks at this snapshot. And then we conclude with one of the judges that's in the system telling one of her stories from a case that she was involved with. So our main goal by doing this again is just to continue to spread awareness. Hopefully one individual that attends that snapshot will decide that they want to be an ambassador and continue to spread the word and make CASA a household name. So that's one of the things that I do here. The other really big um, program that we're getting ready to do is our Go Blue event. And not only excuse me, not only is it a party that's been going on for over a decade, but now we have our annual golf tournament and this is our seventh year. And we've really expanded over the time that CASA has been doing this golf tournament. We were initially at one course and now we're at two different locations at Great Bay Country Club and Linwood Country Club. Our event is on Monday, June the 12th. 
And currently we have 168 individuals that'll be golfing that day. And if there's anybody out there listening that would still like to golf, um, we definitely have spots for that. And then in the evening, we do our Go Blue party. And this year we've decided to do dress down party. And again, with us saying go blue, we're asking people to dress down, maybe even wear jeans if they would like to come out to a great event that has music, food. There's going to be raffles and auctions. And for anybody that can't attend in person, we do have that auction live online now so they can still participate for a wonderful cause. In addition to those two events during the month of April and any month, different schools and businesses can always dress down. And we have stickers that we give out to those businesses and schools for anybody that wants to participate in that. And then the last thing that I really focus on, on the fundraising side of things, is when we have our community awareness luncheon. And it's a great way for individuals to get introduced to CASA at that point as well. And that'll be happening this year in October. <coughs> and there'll be more information on our website coming out soon. Great. But I just want to follow up on the Go Blue Dress Down party. Is that the same as the golf outing or those? on the same date or is the dress down uh, go the go blue dress party is that uh, events that occur throughout the year so the golf tournament and the go blue party are both on the same day which is monday june the 12th the party is in the evening at linwood country club and it's from 6 30 until nine o'clock and tickets can still be purchased online for that event. And then, like I mentioned, the dress down, wearing blue can happen any day that you would like it to happen within your school or within your business. And they just need to reach out to me in order to get the stickers to show their support for CASA. Great. Thanks, Judy. And Brad, uh, you want to talk about your role and involvement in CASA? Sure. Um, I am a volunteer recruiter, one of two that we have for our three counties. Again, we cover Atlantic County, Cape May County, and Camden County. Personally, I cover Atlantic and Cape May, and my colleague Charlene covers Camden County. Um, so what I do is I work with people who are interested in becoming a volunteer advocate for CASA, and I help bring them on board through an interview process and providing them with information. Um, there's several steps, uh, which I can go over if you would like, to uh, how someone would become a CASA. Uh, first, the step would be attending an information session, which we have several each month, so almost one every week, and it's either virtual or in person now. Um, sometimes we have them here at the office, sometimes we have them at local libraries. Um, so again, it's almost every week we have an information session. So sometimes we have as many as 20-something people signed up for an information session, which is great, and uh, sometimes we have smaller information sessions which facilitates very good conversation as well so um when you say volunteers are these uh individuals that are lawyers or 
Are they volunteers with all different backgrounds? All different backgrounds. Um, that you need no special training other than what we provide to become a CASA volunteer advocate. So uh, part of this process after attending the information session, you would submit an online application, which is general background information, and then you would have an interview with two staff members. And the interview takes about 45 minutes. Following the interview, there is um, a series of background checks that everyone goes through. And then if you're, um, you, once you get through all of that, then you would do training. And our training happens several times per year. And it's uh, either in here at the office in Summers Point, or we're also having training this summer up in Camden. And the training is typically four weeks, two times per week. And it's several hours and it's really, it's, it's fun because it's not lecture based, it's activity based. So you're working with a group of people, generally about 10, 15 people. And there's a lot of small group activities and people come from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds. And again, the only training you need is the training that we provide during that training series. So if, if somebody said to you, Hey, I've heard about CASA and I'm sort of interested. And even before the, the informational session, how would you sort of succinctly explain what a CASA worker does? Because okay. again, I think it's something that people don't really understand um, really uh, how CASA is involved and how valuable they are uh, to the system and to the child. You're right. They are extremely valuable to the children. Um, I speak from experience because my wife and myself were uh, New Jersey State Licensed Resource parents for 10 years, and we fostered uh, several children. We had 10 children in that 10 years. And, and I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, but I always like to clarify because I know what you mean when you say resource parents. Mm -hmm. But I think most people use the term foster parents, although Correct. not really a term in the system that we use, right? Correct. It's the same resource parents, foster parents. Uh, you're an out-of-home placement for a child. Um, so basically what we do is provide an advocate for a child who's already in foster care. One of the common misconceptions and the question I get is they often think that we provide foster care, which we do not. We provide help and we advocate for children who are already in the foster care system, already living with a resource home. So we provide what I like to use as the term overview of their case and of their life. And court for uh, children in foster care happens typically every 90 days. So every 90 days, or right, right before that 90-day mark, the CASA volunteer advocate prepares a court report that goes directly to the judge. And what they do is they take all of the correspondence that they've had in person, over the phone, via email, over the course of those 90 days, and they bring it all together in an overview the court report, which comes to our office where our staff will review it, go over it with the volunteer advocate, and then it goes directly to the judge and assist the judge in making decisions based on the child's best interest. Right. And it's coming from the child's point of view, mm -hmm. correct? Right. We are for the child. We are the ones that are an independent organization and we work for the child and in the child's best interest. Um. So uh, you said that there's no training, that CASA will train. Correct. 
And what, what do you think, um, you know, obviously it's a four week training period, so you mm -hmm. can't go over all of it, but, um, some of the big takeaways that, uh, you know, for the training for a CASA worker. Yes. Um, well, again, it's it's activity based. It's uh, small group based. It's not lecture based. So it is about three to three and a half hours, uh, two nights per week, which may sound like a long time at first. And, and before I did the training, I thought it did sound like a long time. But once you're in it, honestly, it's fun because you're interacting with the other people in your class and you get give, you get given scenarios and you have to break down those scenarios and determine what you would do, how you would help this child based on those scenarios. And what are the ages of uh, the children the CASA workers are working with? Typically up to 18 years of age, so birth to 18 years of age. Okay, so um, people would probably say, well, how does a CASA worker uh, advocate or work with a child under two? Okay, good question. Um, what they would do is they would get to know all of the people in the child's life. So that would be the child's birth parents, their foster parents, uh, that would be their doctor. As a CASA volunteer advocate, you have court-appointed authority to actually access the medical records of the child, which is very rare, uh, as you would know, with HIPAA and everything else. So you have court-ordered authority to access the child's medical records. So you want to make sure that everything is up to date, that they're being taken care of. Um, if they were of school age, again, if they were a little older, you would have access to their teachers, um, also therapists. So anyone in the child's life, you as a volunteer advocate, you have access to those people. And I sort of know the answer to this, but I don't think most people do. Mm -hmm. um, how is this different than just being a foster parent? Um, which I understand foster parents really don't have any advocacy rights in court. They don't go to court with their uh, with the child placed with them. Correct. You want and to that talk about that. Yes, correct. And and from experience, that can be very frustrating as a foster parent because you are essentially locked out of court, you're not present, and you are lucky, and we were lucky to have had a CASA for my children when they were in foster care that goes to court for you, speaks through their court report, and provides what is in the child's best interest. So um, it's it's really a remarkable thing to have someone who can be just for the child because you do have a lot of people involved in the child's orbit. You have the caseworkers, you have the therapist, you have the law guardian. There's there's a lot of people involved when a child is in foster care. And I do, so so yes, so a CASA volunteer advocate is not a foster parent. The child does not live with you. You visit the child once or twice per month for say an hour, up to two hours. When, when we had children in care, um, the CASA would come visit us in our house. They would also come to the children's activities to support the children. So for example, if my children were in a school play, the CASA may they come to the school play. If they had a sporting event, they would come to the sporting event. So um, you can't drive with the children for um, liability and insurance purposes, but you can go meet the children anywhere in the community. So again, if they have a, an activity, you can go support them in the activity. Right. And different than the lawyers in the courtroom and mm -hmm. the judges and all the other individuals that are 
sort of uh, trying to uh, determine what is the best interest of the child at the time. Yes. Correct. Yes, and it's more of a person. It is more of a personal relationship, and you do spend more probably more time with the child because you're seeing them once or twice per month, whereas some of the other individuals, uh, the caseworkers from the state will typically see them once per month. Um, the law guardians may see them not even every month because it may only be before court. They definitely come before each court hearing. But as a CASA volunteer advocate, you're really developing relationship over time with the child. Uh, do you know how long uh, those relationships last as a CASA worker? Yes. So um, to answer that question, I would say there's an average length of a case is 18 to 24 months. But every case is unique. And in my own personal experience, our CASA, our cases are done because my children are adopted. But our CASA still comes to our house. We're still friends with them. So it's really up to the child on how the child wants to continue that relationship. So, and that depends on how old they are. My children were teenagers. So they, you know, they have a very good relationship. And my daughter's case was very long. It was six years. And in that time, she had eight caseworkers from the state of New Jersey. And she always had one CASA, the same CASA, Miss Bonnie. And we're right. still we're still friends with her today. She comes over and sees the kids, and that's part of. Uh, well, I I'm gonna make a statement. You can agree with it, but that's mm -hmm. kind of one of the nice things about a casa worker is is the casa worker as well as the resource foster parent might be the only continuity. Yeah, uh, uh, because unfortunately, caseworkers and law guardians and you know. Uh, those change very frequently, especially yes. in cases that um, do take a long time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And that's why when people are interviewing and even at the information session stage, we do tell people that this is a commitment over time, that you're looking at an average of 18 to 24 months, and it could definitely be longer. So they're making, and they they don't mind. The people who want to help children, they are committed. And we, we really appreciate our CASA volunteer advocates because they are committed to the long haul of being there for the child from the beginning until either reunification or adoption or placement with relatives till the end of that case. So who could be a CASA worker? Are there restrictions on age? Is there restrictions uh, on who can actually uh, volunteer? And then my follow-up question to that is, um, who usually volunteers? Is there a certain type of person? Is it, you know, uh, older people, retired people, young people? Um, That's a great that's a great question. Uh, you do have to be 21 years of age by the time you're sworn in. So we do actually get um, some college students who are interested in doing this, and they, um, you know, they may not even be 21, but they're they're 20 and they're starting the process. So it does take a few weeks for background checks, and then training takes a month. So as long as they're 21 by the time they're getting sworn in, that's acceptable. So you can actually begin the process even before you're 21. Um, there, what, what was the second part of the question there, Melissa? Uh, I was oh, wondering if there's a specific type of person or like yes. who are the most frequent people that do volunteer? Um, yes. 
So about we do find we we we're split. About half the people work and half the volunteers are retired. Um, we do have a lot of people who work in education because they're used to the children. They they know how to communicate with young kids, and we we do love retired educators are fantastic. So we do love all of our educators, and uh, other than that, it's a very um, diverse group of people. So um, again, no special background needed other than the training that we provide. That's great. That's great. Um, you know, um, I think I said it at the beginning, but you know, I'm very involved in uh, mm-hmm. camps of the Long River Valley, mm-hmm. and uh, it's an organization, a nonprofit that has worked with Casa, Casa in Philadelphia, and we're now connected to Casa in Atlantic and Cape May and Camden. Um, and our goal is reuniting siblings that have been separated in the foster care system for mm-hmm. programs throughout the year. And we have a signature camp program at the end of the summer, at, in the summer. So one week free camp for siblings that are separated in foster care. And it's all volunteers. And we also have mostly educators that come and uh and actually uh nurses and and mm. and a lot of uh staff from chop actually has been which is children's hospital of philadelphia so mm-hmm. it is interesting how there is that overlap of uh you know uh, educators that are kind of connected and understand sort of kids in the system and kids that usually experience some sort of trauma uh if they've been separated from their parents or family Absolutely. Absolutely. And retired educators, what I have found when I'm interviewing them, they've been working with kids for, say, three decades. They want to continue to help children. And that's that's an awesome thing. So we truly appreciate them. Um, so I'm not sure if this is a question for you or for Judy, but... Mm-hmm. Um, How do you, I, I know Judy says she does informational set, uh, informational, uh, oh, the snapshots. Sort of yeah. S- snapshots. Um, how do, do you have people contacting you online? Do you have people coming into your CASA office? Do you have, how if somebody's interested, um, do they just call and say hi? Uh, yes. My name's we- Melissa. We do have people who just call. We do actually have people who see our sign and just stop in the office. But a lot of people come through um, online options. Uh, one of them is Volunteer Match, uh, which is an organization that provides links to help individuals find uh, ways they can make a difference in their community. So we really like Volunteer Match. And also um, through our website, people just kind of come to our website and then submit a, a form. And then also we do advertise uh, on social media. And there is a lot of people coming to us finding out about us through social media. Um, do you know how long CASA has been, uh, exists, has existed and been involved in the yes. system? Yep. Um, the way CASA began nationally was in Seattle. 
1977, there was a Superior Court Judge David Sukup, who is the founder of CASA. He was a family court, well, he became a family court judge and realized that he was making decisions that would affect a, a, the entire life of a child. And he felt like he didn't have enough information. So he called on citizens to become volunteer advocates and 50 people responded, which was like an overwhelming response at that time. And then it grew nationally. And now there's 949 CASA programs throughout the United States have helped over 2 million children. Our office in Summers Point has been open, uh, I believe, 21 years. Uh, we've been in, in Atlantic and Cape May counties. And then last year, uh, we also became uh Camden came into our into our fold, and we're now the three counties. Right, which is a lot of children. A lot. So we, we do have about 200 volunteer advocates, and we're helping over 400 children in care. How many advocates do you think do you need? Do you think you need the 400 advocates? We need, we could get, we could use about 50 right now. Um, there is a waiting list, and we would need about 50 people to, uh, take care of everybody that we need to take care of at this moment. So there's always a need, but usually we need um, at least 40, 50 volunteer advocates because um, one CASA can cover one family. So if there's, say, a sibling set of three children, they would typically have one CASA. If there's a very large sibling set of, say, five or six children, they may actually team up two CASAs to work together to take care of those children, especially if they're placed in two different homes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happens if um, the child wants something, wants something advocated for them that the CASA worker doesn't think is in their best interest? Well, I think that you have to go with the child's interest because that is what we're there for. So regardless of how we feel, um, how we feel may be different than how a child feels. And I think it's what we say is it's fact based. So you can state what the child states and those are the facts. And then you can state what's happening around the child. Well, the re, the resource foster parent says this, the birth parent says this. So really it's about fact gathering and providing that information to the court system. It is an amazing and, uh, I always say uh, always a difficult situation with children that are in placement because, um, you know, all there's lots of different goals. There's reunification. Mm-hmm. There's best interests of the child. There is, you know, um, you know, sometimes a child wants to be reunified, even though it might not be the best interest. Sometimes they don't. So it's, mm-hmm. it's always very complicated. Yes. Um, which is why there are so many players, so many stakeholders in the uh, courtroom uh, for that child. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So before we wrap up, is there anything that you or Judy want to share regarding CASA that we haven't discussed or you think that um, our listeners, who are mostly Atlantic Cape May and Camden listeners, because uh, okay. we're a local podcast, might want to know about CASA. 
All right. Well, what I like to always say, especially since we have a wide audience listening, um, if you're not familiar with foster care in general, I always like to start with the basic fact that children end up in foster care for only one of two reasons, which is abuse or neglect. Those Some people can be confused about how children end up in foster care, but it is abuse and neglect that lands children in the foster care system, never through any fault of their own or anything they've ever done. And that's extremely important to understand. So uh, I would like to say that we do need volunteers. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we could use 40 or 50. Um, so if you and maybe your friends want to volunteer, feel free to visit us on our website, which is casaacc.org, or you can call our office at 609-601-7800, and you would ask for myself, Brad Zabelski, or Charlene Taylor, and we'd be happy to assist you and uh, pointing you in the direction of how you can become a CASA volunteer advocate and help children in foster care. I'm going to ask Judy the same question. Is, okay. uh, I'm going to, shall I grab her and I'll swap out? and uh, Yeah, and we'll be able to edit it out, okay. edit that Great. as well. I actually am going to tell you, I have a daughter that just graduated college. Okay. And um, she's worked at camps of Long River Valley and okay. has, has uh, been very um, involved in understanding mm the, uh, you know, uh, foster care system and kids in placement. And uh, I am going to suggest to her to reach out. Yeah. Uh, but um, I do know she wants to go to law school. So she is taking a year off. And that's the okay. only I know she's gonna she's gonna be concerned with the 18 month two year. Uh, yeah. We'd be happy to have her and it does sound like this could benefit her as well, um, besides helping children, but that would be that would be interesting. Um, cool, yeah. Let me let me grab Judy for you. Very Great. congratulations on your daughter's graduation too. Oh, thank you. Where where did she go? She went to SUNY Binghamton. Okay. Um, and uh, she was a politics major, political science. Okay. And, I was. Uh, yeah. I was, up, I was just up that way. I, I think I passed through there. I was going to Cornell. Oh, yeah. yeah. I went to Ithaca College. So, okay. uh, yeah. It's a hike. <laughs> it is a hike. It's four hours. Cornell is a five-hour drive. Yeah. It's an extra hour. So, it is a hike. Beautiful up there, though. It is. It is. All right. Let me grab Judy for you. It's a pleasure. Okay. Nice meeting you, Brad. Judy, I wanted to ask you. I know um, when we started talking you were really focused on all the fundraising um and all your amazing upcoming events june 12th i am marking it on my calendar um i wanted to know if there was anything else that you wanted uh to share about casa um while we're talking and uh anything that uh our community would want to know of how we can be involved or help Absolutely. So there are other times during the year that individuals can help out. Um, when it hits the holiday times, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, we do a toy drive. So that's something that we're always asking individuals from the community to, you know, donate items. And then our advocates come in and are able to select items for the children that they're working with. So that's always wonderful. And we hear the stories of them coming back in and, you know, for example, playing Jenga with the child that they were working with and, 
you know, for that hour or two, it was the most laughter and smiles that they had seen that child have in a long time. So being able to do things of that nature. We also collect donations for adoption day and reunification days. So those are always times that we want to give a present to the child or have the family be able to give that present to the child. And again, just in general, we're always looking for support from the community, whether that's an individual coming in. I have people coming in to help me wrap the baskets for our upcoming event. Um, we do have a lot of individuals that children need hours for National Honor Society. And we always love to educate those individuals while they're in our office about what we do in the community. It's very important to start them off at a young age knowing about CASA. And again, just with all the different services that we're offering and needing the funding to be able to recruit train and support the advocates that Brad was talking about. I mean, any donation, no matter the size, is always something that we would love to have. Right. Um, are there any specific items, uh, clothing items, bags, or anything that you, or your organization needs for the kids that you're servicing? We like to do a lot of things with, um, for example, uh, coloring books, crayons, a lot of different school supplies. That's also very important when it's the beginning of the school year. We do have a lot of individuals that will donate backpacks with supplies for the children. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And in addition to that, um, blankets are always something nice. Just have something cozy or a stuffed animal that, you know, they can have as their own because sometimes they're coming with very few items to the house mm -hmm. that they're moving into. Yeah, I definitely understand that. I know um, it's interesting that you talked about the holiday gifts. I know during the summer at the Camp to Belong River Valley Camp, uh, because the kids have not because they're separated from their siblings, they really haven't been able to celebrate holidays and birthdays together. And we try to do a birthday bash and we set up a bunk that's just, we create it into a toy store and they get to go in and pick a toy to wrap and give to their sibling. And uh, we get to celebrate their birthdays together and we have cakes and we make cupcakes and it's all the idea of being able to uh, have them experience what most siblings get to experience while we're living in the same household together so that's wonderful that sounds like an amazing experience and i'm sure like you said the the children love it yes so i appreciate you and brad taking the time to talk about casa i did tell brad that i have uh, young adults in my house that are uh, around the age that they can start volunteering in different ways uh, and I'm going to share the information with them. They've been involved in the Camp to Belong River Valley so they've worked with kids in foster care already and I'm um, hoping that uh, they would be interested in uh, kind of stepping up a little bit more. So hopefully uh, this will uh, encourage them and encourage other people in the community to do so as well. Absolutely. And again, thank you so much for having both Brad and myself on today and being able to hopefully inform more people about CASA and, as I said in the beginning, make it a household name. I agree. And as I said, I mean, I'm, I'm in the legal system. I represent kids in the juvenile 
court system. Unfortunately, some of them that were in foster care do end up in the criminal justice uh, system. And that, um, you know, I've been practicing 26 years and I know about CASA, but I don't know if a lot of other attorneys in other areas of law understand uh, how important a CASA worker is to a child and, and you know, such a, an essential part of the advocacy of hearing what the children want and need in the courtroom as well. So thank you so much for sharing. And uh, I'm so glad we got to talk today. Yes, thank you so much for having us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mighty Merp podcast. This podcast is not a source of legal advice. No two legal cases are the same. Contact an attorney if you require legal assistance.